Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating. Her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Years ago, I discovered an exciting new way to understand how we open to abundant flow and fulfillment by focusing on our inner wealth, traits such as integrity, generosity, imagination, love, and intuition. These often overlooked traits are part of our soul currency, a term that refers to both a medium for exchanging value, as with money, and the circulation of a divine force in our lives, a force that bridges the material world of finance and the invisible world of spirit. My introduction and immersion into this topic was through my guest, Ernest Chu, author of the book Soul Currency and founder, president, and interim executive director of the Soul Currency Institute, a nonprofit organization established in early 2006 that offers training in spiritually oriented entrepreneurship and courses in the secrets of spiritual abundance. Welcome, Ernest. Thank you. As someone who has more than 40 years of experience as a Wall Street investment banker, a member of the New York Stock Exchange, a venture capitalist, and financial executive to several public companies, please share why sole currency is more than just another prosperity or fulfillment book. Well, I think it's a different approach to the same thing. It's it's uh, what I think is that many times a lot of the business schools and some of the ways are are process-oriented. They look at certain qualities, and some of those qualities are are very similar to the kinds that I see from within. But they're really looking at the effect of of what those qualities are, rather than looking at developing and looking at the causes of, of some of the things. And it's really quite interesting, because I look at the, I guess if you wanted a, a kind of metaphor, I look at the way coaches deal with some of the best coaches in sports, deal with some of the, to inspire people and to bring out the best of them. And they really begin from within. They look at giving your, giving your all, being, being clear to be able to have teamwork, being, telling the truth. They use a different vocabulary, but, and they sometimes even use it in corporations and so forth, some of the best ones. The answer is that you always look from within because, in, a, in effect, you could take somebody who can practice these things that really is creative, that gives it their all and has some real talent, and you can plant them anywhere. And it's, it's so interesting to see a country like China, which not that long ago was simply everything was owned by the government, including uh, re- really their their whole idea of what God is and everything that the state was really that that divine source as well. And now you look at China and you've, you've let a number of people, given them the freedom to be able to express themselves. And it's no surprise to me anyway, that uh, more than, uh, they're, they're probably more uh, billionaires, uh, certainly millionaires, but, but uh, billionaires uh, in China than there are in the United States. Yeah. 
Yeah, they had more people, but they also started out really with a major disadvantage, and and uh, their whole schooling system is about processes. It's not about necessarily being able to uh, use those inequalities. I think as people, some of the best students are able to use these things, but they may not be necessarily aware of it. They may be thinking they're doing process, but if you, you look at the uh, guy that started some of the things like Alibaba, you, you, you realize that here's a, here's, a young, here's a young man, or relatively young man in our terms, to, that has really depended a lot on his intuition. It depended a, a great deal on, obviously, his work ethic, his ability to come across in a, in a very sincere way and to build relationships and collaboration and things of that type, which are very important. We sort of see these things as process, but they're really from within, and that's what I call the currency that is soul currency, and or others call it spiritual currency. But I think it's really coming from within, and that's so important. In your book, you talk about you know what we call the off-balance sheet assets, right? Because in business, everyone's always concerned or, you know, what are your inventory? What are your assets and all of that? And what I really loved about the book, Soul Currency, is it really brought forth the importance of these spiritual assets. You know, can you color? Are you artistic? Are you creative? Are you, um, you know, your cultivated skills and knowledge? All these different ways to look at what you, the individual, bring to your business, your organization, your team, and that's what fascinated me because nobody ever talks about that. Our accounting system in business doesn't account for any of that. That's right. Now, they're starting to because a lot of the uh, software companies, uh, most of their assets walk out at the end of the day, you know, when they go home. Um, Essentially, People are, even the accounting systems are, are starting to uh, focus a little bit more on, on uh, what they call intangibles. Uh, it used to be they'd write off, quote, goodwill, because that really is, it wasn't really uh, a real part of the company's balance sheet. But in, a, in effect, uh, the company is only as good as its people and its leadership, and everybody knows that. That's kind of uh, uh, a given. But uh, to actually get there, uh, it's not about how many training courses you took and how how you uh, can manage people or you you tell them uh, what. But it's it's by authentic leadership, by by literally uh, uh, getting people to focus on on a on a mission and focus on something that's bigger than themselves. The Japanese have always been very good at 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 doing that, and they've always taken almost everything, including if uh, somebody who's down on the assembly lines uh, making radios or or, or um, basically smartphones and being able to connect it to something bigger that the company is is doing. So it's not just a job. Right, right. And so, you know, we're talking about inner wealth. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, gosh, here she goes again. You know, I do talk a lot about your inner wealth, your talents, your gifts, your uniqueness that brings you to life, right? And so, but a huge part of what you talk about is that a lot of people undervalue these assets that we bring to life and sometimes, you know, that's what's holding us back. Well, that's right. And and uh, person, personality-wise, if you're 
if you're one of these people that uh, has some issues about uh, not being good enough or or not deserving, um, you'll let uh, it, it translates into things. So if you're an entrepreneur, uh, your uh, pay uh, your receivables may uh, end up going out 120 days or longer, and uh, that's that's kind of deadly for a small company. But you look at that and you say, well, they don't value themselves, and it shows up in, in a lot of big and small ways. Kind of equating, really looking at the value. So when we talk about value, the value of my knowledge, the value of my skills, the value of my ability to host a radio show, things like that. Yes. Yes. Where we don't we don't put a dollar amount on them, but what you're talking about is they do have value because it is still a currency. We're exchanging this gift, this knowledge, this talent, this skill for something, right? Because that's how the universe yeah. works. Yeah, you could actually even uh, look at someone whose life is a kind of an example of that, uh, J.K. Rowling. Um, and you could say, okay, we know the story of how she uh, pretty much uh, everybody told, told her to go get a job and then take care of her, stop dreaming, don't write stories about pink rabbits and so forth, and especially magical kingdoms and things of that type. And here she was. She, she followed what it is that she really felt and, and created uh, um, a, a, uh, something that people really liked. Uh, and bought. Now, you know, she had a hard time even finding a publisher for, for Harry Potter. So running the tape forward a little bit, you, you, you see what happens is that she's now brought into uh, uh, by Universal Studios to do the wizening world of Harry Potter. So you could figure out how many hours she spent. Uh, you could also figure out what, what that inner wealth that imagination and everything uh, is actually worth because you could actually get a per, you could figure out what she made per hour doing that. So when I do uh, a workshop, as an example, I'll I'll uh, uh, somewhere in the middle, I'll get people to sit around in groups and I say, okay, now the first big thing is we are going to. I want you to just not think about you know your judgment about this, but I want you to. Uh, if somebody was there, and imagine that that somebody was, I want you to sell your imagination. You have to sell your imagination. I mean, it's not the end of the world. You just you, you there's definitely some other supportive uh, assets that you might have, but I want to want you to sell your imagination. Um, and there's a, what's it worth? What are you going to ask for it? And these are many of the same people who uh, you know maybe. 20 minutes earlier didn't think their imagination was worth something and now at the end of this particular uh, exercise uh, they get to a point where they're they're coming up with uh, you know rather large numbers or they just say look it's it's priceless I can't I can't put a price on it uh, oh yes you can you look look what JK Rowling did how many hours you could actually figure out but you know it, it keeps on it keeps on uh, giving, you know, uh, those inner qualities. So when people really begin to understand that what they have is really uh, not only, uh, it, it may not be priceless, but it's like any other muscle. The more you use them, the more they're worth, and the more you can, I guess you could say, fungible into into actually uh, things that you do in life that may be successful or 
or actually if if your goal is to uh make make a profit then you can begin to do that yeah. and it's a lot more than just um sitting down there and uh selling something and and doing it it's it's really allowing the universe to open the doors for you and for you to follow and and listen to ways that w- your inner voices and and literally your your inner self in terms of becoming successful and staying there and and continuing to grow. Yes. He is the author of Soul Currency, a book that I highly recommend. And you can go out to uh, Ernest Chu, that's C-H-U, and you'll find out all kinds of cool information and the availability of his book as well on Amazon, I'm sure. But when we come back, I want to pick up But I want to talk about a term that he uses called Adventure Prize. This is Marnie Sledberg from War Road, Minnesota, United States of America, and you are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is encouraging and invigorating. Thank you, Sherry. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you should call us Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather and haul it to the curb. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully insured and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. This is Ernest Chu from Deerfield Beach, Florida. You are listening to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because her show looks at the future of business through the lens of human potential and spirituality. Sherry Hill is thought-provoking and good business. Thank you, Sherry. As a very successful entrepreneur and master business coach, Ernest Chu is eminently qualified to advise others. In his 40 years as an investment banker, corporate executive, and entrepreneur, he has created more than $1.5 billion in market value for his clients. Acknowledged as an expert in capital funding for small to medium-sized companies, Ernest Chu has evaluated more than 5,000 business proposals and advised hundreds of emerging enterprises. He has been a leader and business coach to nine startup ventures, with five of those becoming public companies. Ernest is the creator of Solar Currency, founding president and interim executive director of the Soul Currency Institute, and author of Soul Currency, Investing Your Inner Wealth for Fulfillment and Abundance. Well, welcome, Ernest. Thank you. So in our last segment, we talked about, you know, soul currency, it's all that inner wealth, but you also use a term that I like, which is called adventure prize. So why don't you share what you were talking about regarding that? 
It's really a, a term that I wanted to use to set it apart from the normal way of referring to something that you're doing uh, and how you do it. And so, you know, you might be saying, well, I'm starting a new business, a new enterprise or or something of that type. But really, in a way, someone who is really coming from the inner qualities of themselves really begins to, and you, you can probably vouch for that, when you start to apply things like your intention, when you start to figure out how to, how to focus, and when you start to, in a sense, put your personal energy in, into something, you create, a, a, in, a, in a sense, you, you can hang on and, and, and go for the ride because it becomes you, and, and you're, not, you're not simply creating this thing as an entrepreneur, but in fact, it, it actually becomes you. And basically, it creates you in, in, in a, a lot of ways. And that's why I use the word adventure prize because it's really like the adventure of life, but and yet the uh, the the enterprise of 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 spirit. So that what it becomes is is uh, adventure prize as a way to describe this as not only from the outside, but the, from the inside out, which is essentially starting from within and creating the, I guess you might call it the effect of success. Right. And, and that's um, essentially how Adventure Prize came about. You have to be passionate about what you're doing. So there's a lot of people that, having set up so many companies for so many years and you find out what people are doing in business and, you know, some of them are odd, right? The the companies that people form around a particular need or a gap or a service that obviously there's demand for. But if you were to ask the owner, you know, when you were a little kid, is this what you dreamed about doing? Most are like, no, not really. And so part of, of your whole, you know, philosophy with the soul currency and the adventure prize is really figuring out what are you passionate about? That's where you should be spending your time. Well, just, just like I talked about in the book, you know, the story of Jim Henson, you know, who really was uh, fascinated since he was a kid about puppets. Of course, uh, some of these puppets, like Howdy Doody and people and things like that, weren't exactly... Uh, uh, they they were all they they could be improved and essentially he was an engineer and uh, his parents thought he was going to either go and and uh, work at the the naval uh, base uh, at Pascagoula Mississippi or or try to figure out uh, you know have a have a job somewhere in a big aerospace company and he said no he's gonna he's gonna work on his puppets and <laughs> and of course that was really like. Uh, how how are you ever going to make a living making puppets? Well, it's it's pretty. Good. He made a pretty good living. Uh, he he died in I think around forty eight years old. But uh, at that point, uh, um, Jim Henson Enterprises was, was worth about three hundred and fifty million dollars. And uh, not only that, but he never dreamed that uh, his puppets would be uh, performing before heads of major states. Uh, that he would have a, a television show that would uh, influence uh, three or four generations. Uh, my kids learned how to, how to talk. Uh, they learned what pizza was. Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Kermit and Miss Piggy. And, and, uh, well, and, it, and his, leg- his legacy continues to live on because I just heard that, you know, the latest puppet being introduced is a character that has autism. 
And so, uh-huh. you know, his legacy continues to live on. But again, when we talk about what are those those inner wealth items, his imagination and his passion to help others, the service, um, you know, we talk, you're, you're a, a minister as well, a new thought, I believe. Yes. And yes, so, that's, that's you know, it's, it's kind of all of what we talk about, spirituality, soul currency, adventure prize. We write our own story. And for many people, I don't know that they've really tapped into that. And, and until you really discover what that inner fire and passion you know, how do people really move that into entrepreneurship or adventure prize? Well, that's right. And you can see that from your incorporation. Sometimes uh, I, I really have learned that when you go into business, people aren't necessarily doing this for to make money, even though they say they are. They do the oddest things, because if they were really interested in, in making money, there there are a lot simpler ways and a lot more easier businesses than the kinds of things that they do. So in many cases, a lot of times, they'll they'll really see that there's something that they think is a need and and so forth. But but uh, when you're an entrepreneur, it becomes first you, and that means that you've got to work on yourself. And and if there's some real issues and real blocks about either prosperity or trust or receiving or or things of that type. Get to work on those because those those show up very quickly. That's why the mortality rate is over five years. I saw saw a number. It was somewhere like eighty percent of the companies that that started out are either in some different form or they're out of business. And it's really uh, amazing because anytime you have a, a figure like that, that means that there's a lot more work to do because it shouldn't be that hard and it and, and it's not simply a matter of of how many courses you take and being aware that that you have to spend more time on finance but it's really that you really need to to look at your blocks and look at the things that uh you tell yourself that uh you're going to be in business and you ignore everything else and the blocks come back to haunt you probably within several hours after you start it Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's that's one of the things that, you know, I have a one of my first questions when somebody says to me, I want to start a business, is do you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Because it is all these, what you talk about in your book, Soul Currency, the inner wealth, that all those skills, those talents, those traits, those experiences and everything that you bring forth is what shows up in business and being able to capitalize on your strengths and fulfill around your weaknesses but you first have to understand what those are and like you said a lot is in the language and how you speak to yourself so you know you've mentored a lot of people i mean even very successful people and they're still having these issues that's right, but you can you can get you can as long as you're starting to work on them and you're aware of them. You don't have to be perfect because we're we're always in process. But you have to to really have some big ones like ability to deserve, ability to receive, and those are things that uh, help you. And you don't have to be completely through every one of these, but you have to get to a point where it's going to let you go forward. The other thing is that you tend to 
<laughs> like people who are too much like yourselves. So you know, part of part of this is to to really have a team of people that have many different strengths and different weaknesses and so forth, but maybe similar core values. And I think that those that's really important that you do because you don't want to have a whole team of people just like yourself. Right. Oh, that'd be scary since I'm a Gemini. It, it it'd be, would be, yeah. be exponential. <laughs> <laughs> a huge part of what you talk about and, you know, from the spiritual aspect and, you know, as a new thought minister and personally myself, someone who's a huge huge follower of energy. And so when yes. we think about what all this is about, it's it's a loving flow of energy and everything that we put into ourselves, of course, we're going to put out. Having the awareness and understanding where you shine and your greatest gifts are to share is a huge part of your message and what you're trying to get across to people. That's right. You know, one of the greatest assets people can have is, is to, quote, be liked, uh, be likable. I mean, everybody, uh, but, but part of this is that we also tend to perhaps look at body language, look at uh, our energetic way we, we sense uh, what the other person's like. And uh, so essentially what, what we ourselves put out, you know, not only... Uh, openness, uh, some uh, our ability to uh, be in a way loving and, and, and yet creative and and uh, you know you get uh, have a sense of humor. I mean humor is a is a form of love uh, and yet uh, uh, that's the kind of thing that's really important in, in, in interactions with people because business is, is, is about interactions. I mean we think of it as a, a lot of people call it war. I, I mean I'm amazed at, at the fact that uh, um, corporations used to have their war room. They go in there and and they uh, look at it that way. And I guess it, it's uh, it it comes out of maybe uh, World War One, World War Two, and all the other wars that we've had this century and and, and last. And um, our our uh, uh, co- our companies tend to mirror a lot of that that um, culture. And we're changing, we're beginning to change the culture more. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about that in a later segment, but we have to go to break. I'm going to pick up with my guest, Ernest Chu, who's the author of Soul Currency and one of the founders of the Soul Currency Institute. Hey, this is Jeff Hyman, your startup therapist based in Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important because she really gets it. She understands what entrepreneurs need to do to build a successful business. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. We're fully insured and bonded. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Is it that time of year to make an appointment? Are you in the market for a mammogram? Instead of a mammogram, why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram? Thermograms are the modern, safe alternative to a mammogram. By mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present, a very early detection can be noted and addressed. This breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast. And best of all, it is painless, does not involve any breast compression, no physical contact, and no radiation exposure. A certified medical trained 
brain specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today. 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. We're fully insured and bonded. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. If you have comments about today's show or any questions, please email sherry at sherryhillshow.com. The amount of solar energy that hits the Earth in any one-hour period is enough to meet all of the world's energy needs for an entire year. And it's free and unlimited. Therefore, it is certain that in the decades to come, mankind will find ways to utilize this free, clean, and unlimited energy source to power the planet. Solar is, without doubt, the future. So what if solar energy were a currency, not just a commodity? We think of solar energy as a clean, renewable source of energy to power our homes, our offices, and our economies. But what if we thought of solar energy as a currency, a medium of exchange, not just a consumable commodity to run televisions, computers, or air conditioners? What could be possible? Well, let's ask my guest, Ernest Chu, who has more than 40 years of diverse financial experience, including CFO of five publicly held companies in the technology and energy fields, a senior partner of a New York-based venture development firm, and an investment banker and partner of two New York-based investment banks. He has raised more than $150 million in early-stage equity financing for his companies and has added more than $1 billion in market capitalization to his companies. He is one of the three founders of Green States Energy, an independent power producer who is focused on power plant solutions, not products. So, Ernest... We've been talking about all kinds of energy in this show. We're talking about inner energy, our soul currency, and putting all that energy into a solid adventure prize. But you've got a whole different take now on what happens when solar energy becomes solar currency. It became fairly obvious to me that something had to be done with particularly the world's ability to use to have enough food, to have enough water, and and to be able to use a lot of the resources which are quite plentiful on on this earth. And yet they didn't. And a part of this came into my consciousness because I remembered that I spent my junior year in college. I went to Amherst College, and I remember going to India, and it happened that they had one of the worst famines in history in Bihar. And I watched as people were eating up bark and things that uh, you would tend to look at animals that would would eat that, but people were were doing that, and they were they were very poor, and and it was just a, a really gut wrenching and heart wrenching experience for me. To and I kept thinking I couldn't do anything about it. So when I started to look at the solar industry, uh, we, we were essentially an independent power producer, and that came about because we had the opportunity to really work with small
small to medium-sized communities that didn't have really any ac- access to, to green energy. Leaving aside the politics of, of energy, because uh, up until fairly recently, a lot of the uh, fossil fuel companies and coal companies and things of that type uh, were, were looking, you know, were, were downplaying solar as, as being uh, subsidized by the government. Of course, they forget that they are also being subsidized. So this became really, it has caught on, I think, uh, in recent years. And what I realized was that about 70% of the world's population that is having the most issues with really hunger and, and poverty live in high solar areas. And so, and this, this, I also feel that it's the right of each person just like uh, when it rains, you, ha- you should have you have the right to, you know, use the water, and you have if good temperature, you have the right to to basically uh, grow crops and things of that type. It's the same thing, and it's just that people who are uh, in that position of of starvation and and poverty really don't have that kind of view. They have they have a survival mentality. For those of us that don't, uh, how do we make a solution out of it? And I I thought to myself, well, if if you're always thinking about taking the energy and using it up and not looking at it as an economic development tool, you're just simply going to be living from day to day and and always having that survival. And the technology is getting even better. It's getting smaller. You don't even need to have huge, big fields of solar panels because they're getting smaller and more efficient. So it, it seems that if you can get villages and things where the, where the means of production, in a sense, are owned by the village or shared by the village or, if, or shared by the communities, you have a form of, of community capitalism that, that benefits everyone. And it seems to me that this is, this is something that NGOs and, and uh, nonprofits can get behind because they want to be able to have things that will eventually stand on their own and continue. Right. And this is something that when you can use these small types of mini solar to, to uh, be able to create not only the energy for that of your own needs, but to really sell the energy to, say, businesses or sell the energy in, in a lot of places like Peru and other places to to uh, mining companies and things of that kind. So it's it it has some real aspects. Again, you'd you'd have to look at the politics. The politics are are actually what often keeps people poor, uh, as opposed to necessarily the the ways that they can turn around and alternatives that they have to be able to create resources. But I think that's a start and just to be able to say, see this and say, we can, we can use this and that community capitalism is a stronger way to go where, where you can benefit all the people and, and particularly in, in communities that don't have a lot right. and are really looking for a future. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with special guest Ernest Chu. And we're talking about one of the companies he helped found, which is Green Stage Energy, but we're really looking at it from using solar energy as a currency and not just a commodity because, Ernest, as you know, you know, a lot of nonprofits have realized that, you know, it's better to go in and build sustainability. And so sustainability is the sun is shining. 
just thinking about as you were talking, what does energy convert into? Solar energy, because now if I'm in a, a poor, almost destitute situation, if I have power that isn't costing me hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month to use, what could I be doing with that? So is that's what you're talking about, turning it into like a currency, as you say. They get to benefit yes. from it. You're also talking about really collaboration and a way of sharing that obviously is going to take some development, but it, it, it brings people together to do the things that are going to give them the most opportunity to be successful for their future. All right. Well, and just the fact that one of those, when we talk about the hierarchy of needs, and one is, you know, to feel safe and secure and warm and really know that you can grow food and have fresh water and have power that in a way that it really isn't costing. And, you know, we see it here all the time. It's like we just had a big fight in the legislative session here in the state of Nevada over, you know, solar, the solar power companies and people wanting to be able to put them on their rooftops and they're putting a cap on them. And why is that? You're like, why does it matter? If if I want to use the sun to power my house, I still have to get approval, I guess, from the energy companies. And of course, they're not, they're not big fans of it. So we're still in that kind of fight across the nation, maybe even the world, to be able to use, like you said, this unlimited resource that's literally at our fingertips. Yeah, and it's, it's almost like a human right to, to, have, to have the use of energy to be warm, to use it to, to power water purification, or even drip irrigation to create second and third crops that that allow agriculture to be to be productive and for them to then turn around and be able to sell the extra surplus to to create not only abundance but a sense of ongoing prosperity part of i'm sure you because you are your company green states energy which is an independent power producer i'm sure you've had to learn how to play the political game Yes, mm-hmm. we've, we've had to, yes. Yeah. Do you focus on mainly other countries, or are you doing any of this in the United States? Well, there's a lot to be done in the United States, and certainly <laughs> some of the, the most uh, politically, uh, I won't say backward, but they're, they're certainly not in the vanguard of, of the pioneers, uh, are the Sunbelt states. As an example, I'm in Florida, the Sunshine State. You'd think that they they would be rushing to put the sunshine in, into the power, but yeah, they're actually they've been working instead on some of the nuclear plants and that they have online, and they're trying to maintain their uh, control of of how things are. So, they, to their credit, they are allowing homeowners to put a certain amount on the roof, and it, it would cut their their bill in a way. They're not encouraging people to do it because it's it's obviously they've got a huge investment in infrastructure. They're not about to have that infrastructure written down by the accountants because that would have a disastrous effect on their ability to borrow uh, and things of that type. So, you know, you have a lot to maintain, and it's uh, one of the downsides of uh, being a capitalistic society. All right. Good segue into our next segment. I'm going to pick up on this conversation with Ernest Chu. 
And what attracted me to Ernest was he wrote the book Soul Currency. And so you can go look for that book. It's just awesome. We'll be right back. This is Mike Fossey from Fort Collins, Colorado in Reno, Nevada. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she gave me the opportunity to promote the Civil Air Patrol and Honor Flight. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. This is Diane Sieg, speaker, author, and mindfulness coach. I'm on the Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk. This will be an exciting radio show about the practice of mindfulness as a critical part of stress reduction, overall wellness, and gaining a proven competitive edge for your business. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you should call us Junk King Reno. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather and haul it to the curb. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully insured and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit SherryHillShow.com. Capitalism is far from perfect. Let's face facts. As long as capitalism exists, there will always be people who will be rich and those that are too poor. But what if it could be different? My guest, Ernest Chu, has advised thousands of entrepreneurs and business owners during his 40-year career. A master of the intricacies of corporate finance, he is a recognized expert at positioning startup and existing companies to raise financing necessary for success. His advice has turned hundreds of entrepreneurs and investors into millionaires. Ernest, you're all about using social good and bringing conscious capitalism to communities around the world. So share with us why you're solid about following the principles of conscious capitalism and why more business owners, investors, and stakeholders need to understand this movement. What happens is that in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, companies tended to be us against the world. But it followed a, a more of a military uh, model, and essentially people began to see that they needed others to be successful. And, and, uh, and so, you know, as, as uh, Silicon Valley began to develop, uh, that was kind of one of the vanguards of uh, when you're in technology, it's changing. You, you look to, for partnering, you look for collaboration. It, things, the timelines are very compressed, really very important to not only be very forthcoming in, in what you're doing, but seek uh, ways to develop something much bigger out of what you have. And so 
I think that uh, conscious capitalism, I guess it's a term that is coined, a lot of people don't even know what that might really means, and I think it just means being more uh, aware of that, that when you're in business, it serves, it's good business to serve a greater good. It's good business to be a good corporate participant in your community. It's also good business to really work and to create and, and also looking to have a very good relationship with the employees. You know, you take some of these companies, particularly uh, those in some of the countries like Holland and some of the con- country, countries like India, they tend to follow a lot of these things, uh, not because it's necessarily a uh, divine spiritual path, but, it's, but it's, it's also good business. You know, people tend to trust companies that are and become continuing lifelong customers of companies that they feel have the customer in mind, that have good customer service. That's, that's why that's become so important, which it became in the 1990s, having good customer service and, and a sense of excellence that the company has. And, you know, we all endeavor to do these things, but sometimes we have to remember that even though we seem to have the experience of being it's our company, it's really not. It's, it's really, uh, in a sense, something that's, that's owned by a, by a lot of stakeholders, including the communities. And at the same time, these stakeholders really want to see things become successful, we have a lot of fans and a lot of things in our own lives that we don't even know. And it's that way also with companies that are, that are doing a service and, and justifying really what their products are and, and why they're in business. The advent of the benefit corporation and this really becoming more a focus for a lot of individuals as far as who do I want to do business with, you know, are they concerned about people, planet, and prosperity, but also as investors in making sure that if you're putting out a product and there's a supply chain that all the way back through that supply chain, whether it's coming out of India, Taiwan, China, or Mexico, that those people are being taken care of and thought about as well. Yes. I love it now because, you know, in the 80s, you know, we had the, you know, greedy and of course we saw the large publicly traded companies disappear or insider trading or all these horrible things that really soured a lot of people on that word capitalism. But you and I both know that America, we're about capitalism. We are capitalists, but we can do it in a much more conscious and beneficial way. As you're out there, you come out of Wall Street. You saw that. And so has there been a shift on Wall Street as much as there has been on Main Street? I think so. I I think that there's always been a misunderstanding of, uh, you know, that people think that all these Wall Street guys are very, they don't have any conscience, they'll do a lot of things. And there are a few people like that, but uh, many of them are all young guys. Uh, actually, the uh, some of the most exciting and interesting people you'll find are in some of these uh, Wall Street firms and traders and things. They're, they're really quite cool, and they're, they're interested in they have opinions, and they're interested in in a lot of ways that where society's going, and that's uh, a lot of the traders really are interested in knowing because they can make money. It's it's like a game. It's like football or or something like that. So they endeavor to become good at the skills, but 
they they still have other things that they they look at and i i think that in a way it's a sort of a little bit of an unfair characteristic of of the financial community but i think that that's also part of the fact that we've <laughs> in effect made a game of our future by by having the stock market you know you think about it you know a, a cheap stock will sell at what 11 times earnings maybe 9 times earnings in a really bad market that's still nine times what they're expecting to earn nine years out. So we're always looking at the future, and, and that's what's made this country great, is that we do look at the future, that we're looking to do things better, and that uh, we have been given a sense of personal responsibility. But that even now, uh, it makes it more important to really learn to, to hone these skills and, and that responsibility by looking at our own selves and just seeing what it is that we have within us and not look at other what other people can can do or that uh, looking at a process that's going to work it's the same thing when somebody wants to lose weight or something or other types of things and barring any medical conditions that make it impossible you have to begin begin to look at your own internal self and look within and see what those blocks are and that's that's the first thing that has to change right you can follow a program and you lose the weight, and, and at the same time, you go back. Once, once the program's over, you go back if you haven't made major changes. Right. Soul currency. And so as we're moving into what we call conscious capitalism, that is the spiritual side of business. It's all those ways that you first receive love and then express love and in the the language of business love was never in there now we're talking about it love for the planet love for your employees love for how you're affecting our planet and our communities and all the way down into your individual self people might want to call it new age but it's old age right <laughs> it's like this is the way we should have been doing this all along well, I think it, uh, we're, we're all in, in here to learn, and, and I think uh, people develop as they, as they get more experience. And I think that it also, society is really develop, pushing, it, uh, pushing it, and to some degree, even in a capitalist society, society, uh, what we're willing to believe about the future and what we believe about ourselves affects the way business is done. We're starting to believe more about our inner qualities, we're starting to believe more about maybe spiritualism, being spiritual without necessarily being religious. There's quite a movement uh, in some of the Generation Xers and other uh, generations where people tend to not necessarily have the same views of, of religion and, and spirituality, which are inevitably tied together although not necessarily that's what they are. But they looked at those like quite differently than, say, our parents did or uh, the baby boomers or, or things of that type. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think, reflective of conscious capitalism, of our, our concern for the sustainability of the planet. I just kind of laugh a little bit about the whole thing about global warming and stuff like that. I think that that's all part of the, the changes that are coming about and I think that if we can find ways to get through a lot of these things where, where we are at odds over ideas and, and therefore think uh, a war has to happen 
if we can get through all of that stuff, I think we're, we're, we've got a bright future. Yes, absolutely. And I like to look at it as putting the soul back into business and really having a consciousness around the spirituality of what you're doing in your business. And again, it, not religious, it's spiritual. And whatever that means to people, it's huge. And I've always believed that. Ernest, I want to remind folks to go out and check out Soul Currency and go to ErnestChu.com. You'll find out all kinds of things that he's doing and really trying to help people understand how you can really be at your highest and best self. So, Ernest, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me as a guest. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for The Sherry Hill Show. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business, locally owned and operated. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? Like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. Is it that time of year to make an appointment? Are you in the market for a mammogram? Instead of a mammogram, why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram? Thermograms are the modern, safe alternative to a mammogram. By mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present, a very early detection can be noted and addressed. This breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast. And best of all, it is painless, does not involve any breast compression, no physical contact, and no radiation exposure. A certified medical trainer specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today, 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com.